Hello and welcome to In the Odd at MSU, a behind-the-scenes look at the Michigan State University Department of Theater's productions and special projects. The Department of Theater has over eight different performance venues on campus. Most of these spaces, along with classrooms and design labs, are housed in the historic Michigan State University Auditorium building. A crazy amount of creativity and experiential learning happens in the auditorium, but as is often in the case of performing arts, the audiences only see the finished product. This podcast serves to shine a light on how the faculty of the MSU Department of Theater are training future practitioners of the performing arts to challenge and redefine traditional theater as an artistic response to an ever-changing world. Look at what happens in the odd. I am your host, Bree Kubiak. I am a junior BFA stage management student with a minor in arts and cultural management. The second production of the spring 2020 semester is Bonnets, How Ladies of Good Breeding Are Induced to Murder by Jens Silverman. It opens Friday, March 13th in Studio 60, located in the lower level of the MSU Auditorium. My guests today are Director and Associate Professor of, the, of Theater Studies, Amphelina White, and actors Abby Byrne and Zaria Akins. Before we delve into the greatness that is Bonnets, I would first like to talk a little bit about the Big Ten Theater Consortium. So the Big Ten Theater Consortium is a new play initiative that commissions new works from some of the best female writers in American theater. The consortium intends to draw attention to the need to produce and support new works about women. Each play must feature at least six substantial age-appropriate roles for college-age students. Each year, the theater departments and schools of the Big Ten have the first opportunity to present the newly commissioned play. After that year, the play is available for production anywhere. The consortium does a great job of providing roles for women in a world where there is a substantial amount of gender inequality in plays. These types of initiatives provide roles for those underrepresented and female-identifying students. So, I'm going to turn this over to Anne. You have previously described your concept as, quote, try shoving Joan Jett in a corset and see what she does to you, end quote. Could you explain a little bit more about this and maybe a short synopsis of the play to get us going here? Sure. Um, so, Joan, I... Joan Jett is a punk icon, one who refuses to be contained. And um, I think of a corset as a symbol of female containment and um, an adjustment of the female body to fit standards, a very material manipulation of women to fit society standards. And I just like to think of... <laughs> what Joan Jett might do if you tried to tell her, uh, you know, no, you're going to wear this. You have to wear this. You have to do this thing. And uh, think about the absolute hell she would rain down, um, not just at being told to do that, but how all the binding on that corset might snap uh, if you tried to put a spirit like hers, uh, if, you, if you try to confine a spirit like hers. A synopsis of the play is a rather difficult thing to do because it's three to four different storylines that all eventually collide. Um, it's set in three different time periods, um, England, uh, Salem, and, uh, like 1800s England, uh, 1700s France, and um, a Salem-esque uh town, Puritan town, um, with three different storylines of heartbreak and romance and betrayed trust. Mm, and then, and God narrates the whole thing at the same time. God, if you can believe it, has an existential crisis because 
she gives humans all of these wonderful gifts of material existence and uh, will, and they just keep screwing it up. Um, so that's the most I can do in terms of summarizing it. It is not a, a neat uh, Aristotelian plot structure at all. Okay, that makes sense. Does um, it? Because I don't think it does. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. Um, okay. But could you explain a little bit about the concept here at MSU and a little bit about how our designers are taking your concept and kind of running with it? Sure. So um, I early on I corresponded with uh, Jen Silverman asking her some questions uh, about the play because it's brand new. And um, in that correspondence, I said to her, when I think about the play, I really see Joan Jett shoved in in this piece of clothing that doesn't express who she is. And, um, and Silverman agreed that that was really um, the aesthetic that, uh, that she meant to capture. And she liked that idea. Though, though there's no um, explicit directions in the script about, about the design elements. Um, so, but she liked it, and that's really all I could see. That and, and the doors of time. Um, and so in talking with the designers, um, we really decided to materialize uh, the punk aesthetic and, um, and the uh, different historical periods that collide. So what you'll see is a layering effect uh, based in uh, 1970s, 80s, predominantly U.S. women, the women's punk scene. And on top of that is placed um, uh, period-appropriate costumes, right? They enter spaces that are um, uh, reminiscent of the period in which they're made to perform a particular way, but then underneath it all is this uh, punk rebellion, this uh, this um, need to rebel and rage out and break the the sort of bondage of of these expectations, always bubbling just beneath the surface. So yeah, that's no. where we went, and we um, and we leaned into both the the rage and the pain of all of it because the play is a comedy, but it's really, really dark. Um, and the darkness comes from the pain experienced by the women. And, and you'll see um, Renee Selmeyer, the faculty scenic designer uh, who designed the set, you'll see uh, a marriage on, um, on the set of the punk, uh, vibrant colors, um, slashes of, of color all mixed together against a um, black and white image um, of a, a classical painting of a, of a woman um, murdering a, a man. And it comes from um, a, a historical piece um, about a female artist um, who was assaulted um, and they were punishing her because she had um, it had told someone about the assault, and they were punishing her by hurting her hands, which are her instruments of expression. Um, and so you'll see that history um, 
repeating itself, coming to life, being pushed back against uh, throughout the play and in the aesthetic. Yeah, I think that's great. That's a really cool concept. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit more about the playwright since we've introduced her. Um, Jed Sil Jen Silverman is our playwright. She grew up all over the world, but she's now New York-based and has been producing locally since 2011. Uh, Silverman has been listed on Kilroy's list of underproduced female playwrights for three years in a row. So it's great that finally she's getting out there. Um, in all of her work, she's got something to say, and she's not writing for just the sake of writing. Um, so we'll just go over to our actors then, since we've talked a little bit about concept. Um, so after spring break, this cast and crew will be jumping right into tech, and that's so exciting. So I have a couple of actors here today. First, we have Abby Byrne. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your role is, what rehearsals have been like for you. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm a senior BFA acting student. I'm playing Webster in Bonnets. Um, I, I've had a really good time with this show. Um, it's probably my favorite show that I've done so far at MSU, and it's my last main stage show. Um, I'm really excited to go into tech and get to the blood. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about Webster and who she is. Webster her, is a, a sad English maid who is being abused by her mistress. She is madly in love with the mistress's daughter, Georgette. So everything she does is driven by Georgette or the abuse that she receives. And we see her grow throughout the play as she deals with time travel and uh, traveling to different places and meeting different women. Um, and then it all kind of snaps at the end, but I don't want to give a spoiler. Oh, no, don't give any spoilers. <laughs> That's great. All right, we also have Zaria Akins. Tell us who you are, what your role is. Hi, I'm Zaria. Um, I am a junior BFA actor. Um, my role in Bonnets, I play Valerie. And, man, Valerie is something. Um, she is the sister-in-law of Claire, and she's this pragmatic but realistic and personable person, um, and she poisons the men that she is, when she's done with them, she poisons them, and that's, that's really, that's her, that's Valerie. Yeah, yeah, what are you most excited for moving into tech? Blood, yeah, and also just seeing how everything comes together um, as far, or especially visually with costumes and everything, because there's a bit of a, it's not really a bit, but my character as well as Claire, we are in a carriage, and so we have to go through this door thing, and it, it's it'll be really interesting to maneuver through that, especially like with costumes and props and seeing everything come together and just being able to run the show like through and through. Yeah, that's great. What I love about that bit, um, as they enter these tiny carriage doors in these huge elaborate dresses, um, is that it's hilarious, but it signifies for me, or embodies in, in the most um, blatant fashion, the crap that <laughs> women endured, just like the day-to-day you know, pain of a quotidian existence, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, you know, today we could say it's, uh, I don't know, still like having to put on makeup and brush your hair and 
Like that shit takes time and I don't have time for that, but then I'm going to be judged if I don't come in looking a particular way. Um, and, and I, and even if I choose to rebel against it, I still think about it and I still have to, um, endure looks or glances or, wow, Anne, you really put in an effort today. Yeah, I did. It's like you have to intentionally ignore it. Like, yes. what, like when you're going through the world and you're like, oh, I'm not going to put makeup, makeup on today because I'm rebelling. And you have to think of it as you're intentionally doing that. Right. Whereas men or other people would just go about their day and not even think about it. Right. Or it's not even a rebellion. It's simply like, I don't have time yeah. for it. I got other, I have more important things to do. And my priority isn't, um, my priority is feeling good about myself, not necessarily looking good and and getting my work done because that's my priority is my work and my art, right? Always. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure others can speak to this. You go, you walk into a place and you're like, oh man, here we go. Yeah. Like I am not suited up for this. And it's a really literal kind of suiting up where you're totally prepared in every other aspect except the standards of uh, appearance or comportment or demeanor um, that, uh, yeah, right? So even when it's not a rebellion, even when it's just really about who you are and about your priorities, you, you're still conscious of um of the constraint and the expectation for sure um I guess that kind of puts us into 2020 is I was going to ask why would this show be important in 2020 and how will it resonate with our audiences in this area is this for me yeah I'm sure the actors have things to say too I'm gonna start but then I think it's um differently important to me um, as uh, a, a middle-aged woman than it may be to the actors um, who are young women. So for me, um, it's really about the history and a, just the, the fact that it, it feels like it never stops and the how exhausting... Um, it is, and and yet how how with change you must be so patient, and yet you like God says um, at the end of the play, I'm tired, I'm just so tired, and it's about the difficulty of constantly feeling like you're working against something, and and yet being patient with people because it t- it takes time to change worldviews and minds, even when you're on totally opposite sides and you want to just throttle someone, right? But throttling them won't make them see. And so, and, and that's a lot of burden to bear to try to m- make people see. Um, so that's what for me it's about and why it m- matters is because the, the struggle um, is ongoing. Yeah. Do you guys have anything? Um, yeah. Um, I I think this play is really important in that it is a woman telling women's stories. And we so often see, um, if it's a cast of a lot of women, maybe some of the women are 
are not telling their own stories, but um, like with Men on Boats, it was a cast of all non-men, but we are still telling what was essentially men's stories. Um, and with Bonnets, it is about the women and it is about the women's journeys and their lives. And none of the women in the show are perfect. And many of the women in the show are not necessarily likable, but they're still women and their stories are just as valuable. And I think in theater, we so often judge a play's quality based on a white straight man's perspective and a good woman in a play is what is good to a man's perspective. But in Bonnets, all of that is kind of thrown out the window and you say, hey, these women are are really cool. Um, and I think that's all yeah. I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I think for me, um, the show definitely represents the different absurdities that women have to endure. Um, especially in comparison to men. Um, and just one thing in particular, there's a character, Daniel. All the men in the show are also played by women, as Abby said. And But there's a character in the show, Daniel, and oh, the things that come out of this man, quote-unquote, man's mouth, I'm just like, I'm appalled. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like if an actual, like in the real world, again, this is theater, but in the real world, I feel that if a man were to say some of the things that Daniel says, it's like, oh, that guy, he's just a bad guy. And when women, because a woman is playing it in the show, when she says these things, obviously people are going to be like, oh, that's kind of absurd. And it's like, yeah, it's really, it's ridiculous that some of these things are said, but it's like, it kind of reaches to a different audience now because there are people who they do when they hear women speak, they're like, what are you talking about? So I feel like it kind of um, conveys a decent message in the way that a woman is saying something that a man would say and someone who would like look at it as like, oh, that's absurd. They're now really going to think like this is ridiculous, not only just because a woman said it, but because it's a ridiculous thing to be said. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, when like a woman kinda... says something that a man would say, it definitely shines an entirely different light yeah. on it based on women's history. Right. What I think is great about um, what Zaria is is saying about the character Daniel is that it's, it's dead on. But what's also funny is Valerie is very much the female embodiment of Daniel. So um, sure. <laughs> so you have all of these really um, dynamic and you, uh, gender um, – what's the word? You have all these really dynamic, complex um, expressions of human beings that don't necessarily um, belong to one – gender, right? You can't pin anybody down. Um, and like it, <laughs> Daniel is, uh, is a player. He is heartless and cold. And so is Valerie, right? Um, it is, so we get this sort of atypical female character and this very typical male character, both played by women, um, and they both are, are, are cruel and they, they meet their end. So we have, we have that on one hand, but we also don't have, and, and that behavior appears absurd because it comes out of a woman's mouth. Um, 
Whereas we also have another lover named Laurent who is good and kind. And so it's it's about gender rather than about um, uh, sex, right? Bio, biological sex categories, right? It's not just because you're a man you behave this way or just because you're a woman you behave this way. It's really about gender and how we're, we're taught to behave. So you don't ever get... Uh, oh, well, this is what a man is, clearly. He's a, you know, um, he leads with his groin, right? You also get a man who um, leads with his heart. And so, and you get the same kind of thing with women. Yeah, I think that gender studies and, like, gender movements are happening, all, like, now more than ever in 2020. And I think that just that story generally is very important to show these new audiences. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys so much for being here with me today. Um, Bonnets, How Ladies of Good Breeding Are Induced to Murder by Jen Silverman runs March 13th through the 22nd in Studio 60, which is in the lower level of the MSU Auditorium. Tickets are on sale now at wartoncenter.com, at the Wharton Center box office, or by calling 1-800-WHARTON. A big thank you to our technical producer, Dan Trago, Dean Christopher Long, and marketing director, Ryan Kilcoyne of the College of Arts and Letters, Department of Theater Chairperson, Kirk Domer, and Theater Communication Specialist, Abby Taikaki, for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the official entities of MSU. I am Brianna Kubiak, and this has been In the Odd, a Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters podcast. You can access every episode of In the Odd at theater.msu.edu forward slash odd. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another behind-the-scenes look of what happens in the odd.